everybody, and welcome back to Send News, the inside gaming podcast where we talk all about video games. And boy, howdy, we got a lot of news to talk about this week. First off, I'm Brian, your host. I'm Alana. Yo, what's up? It's Evan at Darth Burrito. I'm excited to talk about Bethesda. I'm excited to talk about Xbox pre-orders. I got one, by the way, so no one needs to worry because I got one. I'm okay. Oh, we're doing all right over here. Fancy lad. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the biggest weeks of news in decades. I don't know. I, I, I was thinking about this on the daily, like trying to put this into context, but uh, obviously the big news was Microsoft buying ZeniMax, AKA the parent company of Bethesda, of id Software, of Arcane Studios, just massive. They basically doubled the size of their, their own in-house studios with this move. But uh, it is just uh, an earthquake is understating it in the games industry. What do you guys think? I I mean, I I just think it completely changes the argument around getting an Xbox. I think it's become a million times more attractive now. It's just nuts. Oh, wow. kind of don't know what's going to happen yet is my big thing. Like, it certainly makes Game Pass way more valuable. And Mm -hmm. I keep trying to shout from the rooftops about... Game Pass also, like, you know, when you think about it, it's good value for me. I'm happy to have it. But think about people who are in really low-income families who can only buy one game a year. I saw um, you tweet that. Yeah. That's a yeah, good point. I mean, that's even coming from, like, my perspective, which is still, like, I, I had enough money to function, was I would have to, like, pick very carefully what games I would buy in any given year and, right. and often wait for them to go on sale because, you know, I couldn't have a lot of games and my family didn't have that kind of money. So all my consoles were secondhand. Something like Game Pass would have been amazing for me. Uh, But it's also really good for the disabled community. People who don't actually know if they can even play a video game until they've tried an hour of it uh, to be able to test it out. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, Yeah. and because of refund policies, often they'll spend $60 on something that sounds like they'll be able to play it just to find out that they can't. Uh, Game Pass is just awesome for for things like that, for things like accessibility for everyone. Um, And every single... Bethesda game being on Game Pass day one just rules for a lot of people. Uh, but I don't know how I feel about on the on the flip side. Uh, we don't know if Xbox is going to do it, but making franchises that have been cross-platform for a long time, like Fallout and Elder Scrolls, platform exclusive. That it just seems mean. I get that it's business, I get that Sony would do it, but uh Taking those things away from people who are already like very much in the PlayStation ecosystem or yeah. don't have access to PCs is like that one's a big one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Sony was certainly trying to do it. I mean, they they locked up Deathloop as a PlayStation uh, Five exclusive, right? They they were certainly yeah. trying to. And Xbox and, was just uh, like Ghostwire Tokyo and Ghostwire Tokyo, Tokyo as well. well. And they were trying to get Starfield too, yeah. I believe, or they were in talks uh, to do it. So yeah. And this isn't a situation of like, well, you know, why are you not putting that. Why do you not put that pressure on Sony? I mean, part of it is that we know that Sony won't do it. <laughs> Microsoft is more of a question mark. But I also didn't have this stance when they bought like Ninja Theory or when they bought Double Fine. Yeah. I wasn't like, oh, no, what about those right. can't be exclusive. It's just with right. Fallout and, and Elder Scrolls specifically, it just is. A, it's a lot of people who are very passionate about those franchises. And with it's, Doom being back now, Doom I mean, too, yeah. the, the great reboots, uh, arcane, arcane stuff is great. Yeah. I mean, I love the Dishonored games. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, it just, 
uh, it gives them just this insane lineup of IP now. It's it's uh, it's just nuts. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think a lot of people were making that claim like, oh, Xbox didn't have any exclusives. And then people countering with like, well, now they have all the Bethesda stuff. And it's like, yeah, but you're not going to see that stuff for a couple of years. It, it, new games, at mm. least the Game Pass stuff is coming. But like it doesn't change anything for launch window. It doesn't change anything maybe for no. the first year of, no. of the Xbox just Series Pass, X. Really? Yeah. yeah. But I mean. It, I'd be okay with Starfield being exclusive and every new IP going forward being exclusive. Like, I think I'm okay with that. It's just Elder Scrolls and Fallout. It just seems <laughs> fucking mean. Well, well for my we're just like conditioned to think of those as multi-plats. Or, or like, like PC originated stuff. franchises too, yeah. right? Like Fallout's mm-hmm. legacy yeah. on PC and, and yeah. those other yeah. games as well, right? But I think also we've seen Microsoft do interesting stuff in the past and they've kind of been hyping, especially coming into this, this new console season, like, Oh, you know, we're not focused on exclusives or whatever. So for them to turn around and be like, now these <laughs> yeah. are all our exclusives is really funny to me. And also kind of awful, but and I, the Minecraft thing, in the like Minecraft, Minecraft thing. is still available on multiple platforms. But then the, the only thing in my head that like argues against it. And again, that's why we're asking the question, right? Is because Microsoft, we don't know what they'll do. So it's worth asking. You're not going to yeah. ask with Sony when we know what they're going to do. It doesn't mean we like it. Mm. Does it mean that I think exclusive are good i just know what sony's gonna do uh but the the thing that keeps popping up in my head is like if phil yeah if phil keeps saying exclusives are bad <laughs> if minecraft has been on multiple platforms then maybe they could but then why did you spend 7.4 million dollars billion 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 yeah. billion dollars <laughs> if you didn't want them to be exclusives that's so much right. money right that there's no point although unless you just want to keep game pass fed but even they then made making, a deal like they did with EA. Right, right, exactly. No, I, he wants exclusive. I guess when they said we're not focused on exclusives, they meant we're not focused on some exclusives. We're focused on all the exclusives. Or launch <laughs> exclusives. You know, just they because, won't be exclusives anymore yeah. if we own everything. We don't yeah. care about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't care about launch exclusives of any, anymore because we don't have any. So th- mm, this right. is like their, it's like a real junior high argument. Um, what, but, what is it? They have medium? Scorn? And Scorn, right? I think Tetris effects. Tetris effect, you're right. Yes. The other Tetris thing. Effect, multiplayer, yeah. medium, yeah. and Scorn. I keep forgetting. Uh, but but I think it's convenient for them to kind of like make that stance and then have this huge buy. This is certainly one of the most surprising news stories in like the last 10 years of games. I feel like I, I, I haven't seen as many like news pundits and stuff like as shocked and like shooken to the core about like just hearing like we woke up Monday morning or whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, Microsoft is buying Bethesda. And the rumors were always like, oh, they're going to buy a Japanese studio. They're going to buy a Capcom. They're going to buy, you yeah. know, a middle tier studio. Mm-hmm. Not certainly not like one of the largest uh, and, and fastest growing video game publishers of, of, the, of the last 10 years. Yeah, uh, lots of lots of calls for uh, uh, Sony to respond and buy Capcom or something like <laughs> that. It's not even it's close Sony, to the same Sony thing. Sony doesn't yeah. have Microsoft money. No, that, no. that's and I wanted to bring up that point because uh, let's look at everybody's revenue from last year. And this will give you an idea of how only Microsoft could have made that deal. Sony's revenue in 2019, and this is for all of Sony, not, not just PlayStation, all of Sony, $77 billion dollars. Pretty cool. Uh, Pretty cool. <laughs> Nintendo's net sales, $10 billion for last year. Huh. Microsoft revenue for uh, 2019. Let's see. Shit, I had it. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm on pins and needles right now. I know. What is it? What is it? Micro- hold on. Hold on. Microsoft revenue for 2019. It's absolutely insane. $125 billion. Holy crap. So it's like, it's not oh, even... Yeah, I mean, they're playing a different ball game. I, I mean, they can buy everyone. 
if right. they wanted. <laughs> You're right. They totally could. <sighs> but even they like, paid this in cash. Remember when also though like the Xbox department was like a. It's not. I don't even know if I would consider it a flagship department for like Windows and or Microsoft and like all the other things that they do and in, in places that they make money. But seven. Seven billion dollars out of that hundred and twenty billion is still kind of a lot. I guess it's yearly, though, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah out of yeah. the total revenue yeah. ever. But I mean, that must have been an interesting meeting. You're right because Xbox, considering where Microsoft actually makes their money, is a very small department. Whereas for right. Sony, PlayStation is a large department. Um, even though I think Sony, they start in TVs, speakers. Yeah, um, Some, yeah, I mean the electronics. Like yeah, Walkmans. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was like Walkmans. I <laughs> that's where they made all their money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would have loved to have seen that meeting where like Phil Spencer and a bunch of the Microsoft or the Xbox team rather go to Microsoft and are like, we need $7.4 billion like, yeah. for, for that subscription service that people are paying $5 a month for. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's, it's pretty nuts. And I also like, do want to say, I wonder where this whole thing is concerned, often when uh, a big company buys a, a slightly smaller company, there will be a lot of layoffs. I believe they acquired like 2,300 new staff yes. members. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping that that doesn't happen. Microsoft is big and people can be reallocated. So we're still yet to see about that kind of thing. Or if they'll shutter some of those studios, because obviously that's the thing that Microsoft has done before. Shutting down right. Lionhead is like right. top 10 anime betrayals and I haven't forgiven them for that. <laughs> <laughs> so there are, you know, there are definitely issues there. One thing that I actually think will probably work in the favor of the gamer is uh, I feel like, probably outside of Doom, and I still love everything Arcane makes, there's definitely a perception at the very least that Bethesda Studios specifically have declined in quality more recently. And mm-hmm. I would guess that that is because of the board at ZeniMax, which to be clear is not changing. Uh, I don't think they're changing anyone who's actually on the board of that company. But uh, in theory, when you have... <laughs> a parent company with a tremendous amount of money who's just bought you for $7.4 billion. You have a system like Game Pass, which makes it so that individual sales and microtransaction-style revenues don't matter anywhere near as much. I yeah. promise you they're not going to put fucking microtransactions in Double Fine games or in Hellblade 2. Right. Then, in theory, I feel like Bethesda Studios, where Fallout and Elder Scrolls are concerned, could maybe come back to... It's not even that far back but the quality of like the fallout 3 year i didn't think 4 was as good and obviously fallout 76 is a mess yeah and in theory those games could be focused more on being video games and less on being services that's the, oh that's a good point that's a question yeah. in the joke kind of that's going around it's like how long will it take microsoft to make fallout 76 good and i think we made that on the panel or something or somebody asked that question on, on their did. rtx panel this week but I, I think it's 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 funny it's like a funny question but also I, my question is like does fallout 76 even get made under microsoft and like you know, it's interesting to have now, like, there's probably a, gre- a director of Microsoft's Creative Studios or Microsoft Studios that that is now in charge of a department that, that you know, checks the quality of games and, and is just keeping an eye, producers and that sort of thing, that kind of dialogue that goes back and forth. And Microsoft generally in the, the purchases and stuff that they've made so far, like a lot of the, the messaging that we've been hearing is like, oh, yeah, they've been really cool. They kind of like right. double, with Double right. Fine, for example, like, oh, they're just going to let us do our Double Fine thing <clears throat> and then publish that under like kind of the 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 microsoft brand or whatever because uh, they're yeah, now greg, our parent company so yeah greg miller uh this was i think maybe last year but he was he was talking about how he had spoken to someone at one of the studios that got acquired and i don't know if he named it 
but but they did say much of what you just said that Microsoft was being super cool and basically like what game do you want to make cool go make it yeah and like if that's their attitude like that's great and, I wonder and that'll how be... true that is across the board though because I've had yeah. someone at Double Fine tell me that too uh, yeah. which is awesome um, especially for Double Fine we don't want them making like corporate video games that right. would be awful but right. uh, I always wonder with Rare like pre Microsoft Rare was my favorite game studio ever probably yeah. still technically is yeah like before they were bought by Microsoft Rare is made the best games ever. <laughs> um, and I wonder, obviously, I feel like Viva Pinata is a little bit of an exception, but then, you know, I, I love Sea of Thieves for the record and still frequently play it. However, it's still a service. It isn't the game that I wanted from that pre-Microsoft Rare studio. So I wonder how yeah. much... Yep. It's entirely possible that Rare wanted to make that game, but I don't know if that was a Microsoft directive of you have to make this thing this way. And the it's only other thing that I know is that Microsoft for a time, I don't know if this is still true now even, was picky about what engine studios could use, and that was oh. a part of some of their studio closures or games not being finished, was that Microsoft said, we want to have a full catalog of engines, you need to make this on this engine, and then the dev team, this, this is what I heard happen with Scalebound. The dev team was like, we just can't get it to run. Like, yeah. it was that, that one would have been Platinum Like with EA and the Frostbite engine. Like, yeah, it's but, they, like but Microsoft to, wanted yeah. like, to have different games on every engine. Like they wanted like a portfolio of engines hmm. um, and Platinum couldn't get. Uh, that's wild. Yeah. That's a scale bound to run. That's the first time I've heard about that being the reason for scale bound. It's always like a big I think mystery, it's maybe but... the first time I've said it publicly. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Hot <laughs> scoops right here on Sundays. There we go. And, and Rare, you're right. I don't think Rare is a bad studio now by any means, but it's also not what it was when it was like, yeah, a top, you know, making like some all-time great games. So that's a good that's a good point. You might I, return to it with Everwild a little bit. I think that game looks kind of cool and unique and creative. That's Again, great. Sea of Thieves rules yeah. and is some of the most fun I've ever had in a video game. Genuinely, like Sea of Thieves is so fun. It's just not what I wanted Rare to make. And I say that as someone who still loves that studio and I have a lot of friends at that studio, but it's still like not you know, Perfect Dark and Banjo-Tooie. <laughs> it's right. like, it's not the same thing. So it's, right. I, I just don't know if, if Rare like pitched to make Sea of Thieves and that's what they wanted to make as a, as a multiplayer game that does have microtransactions, which full disclosure, I am staunchly against microtransactions, but recently did spend $5 on Sea of Thieves. <laughs> I broke my streak. I hadn't bought any in like seven years, maybe oh, eight wow. even. No microtransactions, no season passes, no battle passes, none of it. I don't even buy DLC. Oh, I bought a dog in Sea of Thieves. But I don't know if that's what that, that team wanted to do or if it was what Microsoft told them to do. It's it's hard to say, and I don't know yeah. how they feel about it. I don't know if Everwild is also going to be multiplayer. I don't know what that fucking game is. <laughs> I think going back to your point about like boards of directors kind of are usually, or marketing or whatever, are usually the ones that, that push that those types of monetization structures. I think when you get $7.4 billion for a company, those boards generally are going to get... A, chunk of that right uh and they may become suddenly disinterested or ready to move on to the next company or the next thing <laughs> yeah uh, when that happens you do see that yeah. sometimes like with the the bioware doctors right like they pieced out one of them just makes a beer youtube now or something they're used to really yeah yeah for sure dr nice. Gray, i mean I, I i i look at the boards of directors like relatively often um because when you look at who's in charge of a company it generally tells you what the company wants at that given time. And I know the ZeniMax board is full of businessmen rather than devs. Yeah. Um, it is full of people who are focused on making money. Um, 
rather than developers, which is always a thing that concerns me. Like, let's see what Robert A. Altman's <laughs> uh, chairman and CEO. What's your... Uh, well, He's an American business executive. Yeah, sure. And ZeniMax is also very well known for just shutting things down, like pretty readily. If it's yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, he serves on the advisory board of a law school. He's basically like yeah, the guy who's wow. He's seventy two. Still, still gone. Made a great deal at the ripe age of seventy seventy two. Nice work, man. Um, but yeah, he he's basically just. A, a businessman, and I think that's the case for pretty much all of them, if I read yeah, correctly. It's generally, they'll, you'll find like one, or maybe if you're really lucky, two people who at least present as if they have an interest in games. I think like, that's I mean, why Todd Howard helps a lot. Yeah, that's why Todd Howard helps a lot. Yeah, like stuff like people like that, people who have like face in the company enough to to climb those ranks in that way. But I don't know if yeah. that's the case with with Bethesda. I'll, always and i mean you know from the outside looking in we'd be like yeah throw phil spencer on a board for anything game related it's probably fine but you know well, phil like, did start in uh programming right i believe that he did I like think obviously that's right. he's yes. vice president now but maybe like uh, peter moore is a better example. i don't know i mean i know they all have deep deep gaming roots but but like that's the idea right like you want somebody who splits the difference somehow at least understands he developed in kata yeah Phil Spencer. Oh, there you go. Remember Encarta? Yeah. No. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> no. no. Oh, uh, dude. It oh, had I a dope box Encarta. art. Yeah. It it was basically um, a. Uh, it's an encyclopedia. Yes. But it's like interactive and had some fun video games. Mm-hmm. And it was basically like a learning software. I would say it was a it was a multimedia encyclopedia. It was oh, super okay. fun as a kid. Okay. I was like, I'm a lot about cool. butterflies. Let's boot up in Kata. I will say, like most <laughs> educational games of that era, the box art was way cooler than the game was fun. Yeah, but it was super pretty. It was nice. It was cool. I, I guess. Yeah. I do think getting back to the the acquisition, I think this is a sign of you were talking about Xbox being kind of a relatively small part of Microsoft. It does feel like now they are really serious about trying to get Xbox and and Game Pass to be the first kind of Netflix gaming service, which it kind of is at this point, but I think they're really trying to maybe muscle out everybody else. And and it it makes me think of what Phil Spencer said uh, earlier this year when he said, we don't look at Nintendo and Sony as our true competitors. We're looking at Amazon and Google. And I think this is real proof of that speaking of which breaking news amazon just announced their cloud gaming service uh called luna uh this just happened um i'm reading a verge moments ago hot news (laughs) it's called luna not sure when it's gonna launch widely but it'll be on pc mac fire tv and iphone ipad with the android version planned for after the launch Intro price of five ninety nine a month during early access, so it looks like they're already trying to undercut How do they Stadia. Get theirs on maybe I don't understand that financing system. How do they get theirs on iOS? Yeah, when, I don't know. When Google didn't, Microsoft yeah. can't. Maybe you can't make purchases yet because I believe that the test pilot program you could have XCloud because mm. it's in beta. Maybe. Yeah, that's probably why they got so far. And then when they were going to flip the switch, Apple was like, "No, no, 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 you no, can't." No, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Amazon. They said more than a hundred games will be available and uh, uh, launch. T- so it's already more than Stadia. <laughs> launch titles: Resident <laughs> Evil Seven, Control, Panzer Dra- uh, Dragoon, A Plague Tale: Innocence, The Surge Two, Ukulele. Funny that it's just a lot of games that are on Game Pass. I wonder if right, that's like a thing. Right, that these studios right. are just like, sure. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I can't. 
I just I can't imagine entering that that market space now with Game Pass being so rampant and right. xCloud around the corner. Like they've already got the deep hooks. They've got the infrastructure. It's like. I don't know. It's maybe not the same because I think that Xbox and Microsoft has such a lead on it. But it's like trying to go up against World of Warcraft during the MMO era. Like you're just yes. You're Amazon not. also has a fucking lot of money though. Right. But I and believe, they have their own cloud I mean, infrastructure so does Google, too. Though. Oh, AWR. great cloud infrastructure. Yeah. Uh, is right. So does Google. That's true. But Google are routinely stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they frequently are like hmm, that is true. Want- Google I mean, Plus? No, they don't. No, they don't get rid of it. They didn't want it. <laughs> I don't know what Google's fucking doing. Speaking of big partnerships, Amazon's apparently partnering with Ubisoft for a specific gaming channel. Uh, they said uh, they'll have access to new titles when it launches, like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Far Cry Six. Interesting. Yeah. So same. Uh, it's an EA Play. Same day they release. Yeah. So. Huh. It'll have mm. Twitch integration, which is obviously uh, Twitch is owned by Amazon. So yeah, we got a we got another big player. Streaming um, wars. Wow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that overall Microsoft has more money than Amazon. Yeah, Interesting. I, I, I can't say without looking, but I just it, it's not they even certainly as, have more revenue. It it's not even <laughs> as much about the money as it is about like the deep the, the deep ties to the industry, understanding how kind of those deals and things work, understanding how That's to look right. out for the upcoming and like awesome indie things that people are going to play, as well as like producing and manufacturing your own AAA games that would entice people to come and come and join your service. It's just like there's so many things that that they just already have a handle on, and I feel oh like even God, Amazon has so much money. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's so, it's and not. they've convinced investors that they don't need to run at a profit. Like, it's oh the most brilliant thing ever. How, <laughs> so how much money does Amazon earn in one year? Apparently, this is sourced by CNN. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, <laughs> they made $232.9 billion in revenue. Okay. Of that, $10 billion was net profit. So obviously that's different. But that's right. still a lot of fucking revenue. Right. Jesus. Um, right. They're like controlling all retail. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. And I mean, to your point um, about Microsoft having, you know, more knowledge of, of gaming, um, Amazon have released two games. Mm. Yeah. With their, that studio, they had that. Was Leading Edge, I want to say, is one. Amazon games. And then there was like an esports one before Crucible, that. Crucible, the online Crucible. shooter. Yeah. yeah. That, went, um, that went pretty good for them, right? <laughs> no, it went terribly. Yes, it, it, went, it went back into close <laughs> yes, yeah. they're, working on that, they're working on that MMO called New World yeah. uh, that's been delayed till next year. So. Yeah, wasn't that recently out in beta? I think, I that think may you have might been. be right. Yes, good memory. Um, okay, so yeah. I played Crucible. And? Um and we played it for Funhouse, and uh, like you know, it it's it calls itself a team shooter, but it's absolutely um, uh, what's the term? Uh, you got you got your lanes, you like got your daughters, you got it's a MOBA. Yeah, um, absolutely a MOBA. The first player MOBA. To be Don't a die, team, whatever a you do. Shooter. It's, it's like just the worst thing you could do. Yeah, right. So like, it took us an hour to understand the game as MOBAs are, um, and I did actually enjoy it. Um, I think the biggest issue with it is that they just thought that they didn't need to market it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Which is very strange. That's what, um, that's when you're, you can tell you're new to the industry. Yeah. yeah. Like, why did you think that anyone was going to play this? We played it cause we need video games to play, but <laughs> most people are fine. Just playing world of Warcraft forever. Yeah. Fortnite now, I guess it's just, it was really strange. Uh, I, 
think that new people have been playing New World on Twitch, and I want to just confirm that, make sure I'm not thinking of a different game, but I'm pretty sure that um, it's gotten a relatively positive reception so far. Yeah, I, I just wonder how much money they would dump into it and, and not do it. Like, even Sony with, like, PlayStation Now, like, it's kind of... Like that that conversation has just been so eclipsed by Game Pass. And they're they're like yeah, very much yeah. in the market of video games, obviously. It's PlayStation, right? And we're right. not a lot of the times on these podcasts and things that we do, we're not even talking about that Sony has that service. It's like, yeah, and then there's PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus or whatever. But I think like, yeah, I think you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. It's it's generally when new new uh competitors enter the space, it's good for everyone because it it, it causes prices to be more competitive. It causes like the creative solutions that that uh, that companies do to make their services more attractive. Uh, it pushes all of that forward. So right. hopefully, you know, them coming in. Hopefully, they have like some cool stuff. But hopefully, they come in with like some exclusives or something. Like I just I just think about the Stadia launch and how much better that could have been. And it seems like it's going to be a mirror episode with with this Amazon thing. Yeah. I mean, even Stadia is an interesting one though because I still like I have my Stadia. I guess my Google Chromecast. I don't know what they call everything. I still have it plugged into my TV and I still use it occasionally, um, mm. mostly Destiny, because me my too. experience is yep. positive. It works. Yeah, uh, me too. And being able to play Destiny wherever you want is great, but I guess now I can do that with xCloud. Yeah, but, but now I, you can do that with xCloud. And then preference you... for that service overall. Right. They, they really blew their opportunity to be the first out of the gate because it, yeah. it felt like that's what they wanted to do and they did. But yeah, it... it, it, it they just didn't give a compelling enough reason. I, I play Stadia off and on too, just because I think the technology is interesting. Yeah, and I play a lot of Destiny on it. It does work uh, if you're, you know, if you're in the right circumstances. And I got yeah. Google Fiber, so that's it's, <laughs> it's nice. But um, yeah, it's it, there's still not enough games. It's still not, you know, it, it still doesn't have like that compelling. It's like ten bucks a month. But, you know, that on Game Pass. And you have to Pass, buy some of the games as well? Yeah, it's a storefront. I mean, you get if you're a pro subscriber and you're 10 bucks a month, you get like Destiny and a handful of other things, but but it's it's not it's not worth 10 bucks a month, I don't think. I feel like Google and Amazon being in this space have problems that Microsoft and Sony don't where yes. they don't have PR. I mean, of course, they have PR departments for Google and Amazon, but I mean that where people who frequently frequently play video games are concerned, right. where like, fuck Google and Amazon. Like virtually everyone is like, I'd way prefer to do it with Microsoft or Sony because those are the brands that you've played things yes. on for the last 20 years. Right. So why would we want to go to Amazon or Google? And it doesn't seem like they're trying to break through that either. I know Google is like starting to do a little bit more advertising, but in my head, Google is an advertising company, a search engine, and YouTube, uh, right. which uh, right. the advertising, I don't like. Uh, YouTube, pretty bad rap. <laughs> Obviously, we use it frequently, yeah. but I don't <laughs> right. think anyone it's who had uses its issues. it. Yeah, everyone's like, you, you know, <laughs> you, we kind of think you suck a bit, but we're still here. Because yeah, everyone on YouTube hates YouTube. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Is that the same for Twitch? I don't know. Yeah, that is, the, the Twitch angle is what makes this really, really interesting, right? Is like if they can integrate this stuff. I obviously they own Twitch. Amazon owns Twitch, so mm -hmm. if they can in integrate the marketing into Twitch, and they have people, they have people in that space who could come aboard and help them launch a streaming service. Obviously, they could just start like just dumping all of the the ads onto Twitch, and, and people would hear about it and 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 know about it that way. Well, and if I there's... think the appeal, sorry to cut you off there, no, it's, it's more about how it works with what. 
Stadia wanted to do with YouTube, which is the idea of you see your favorite let's play a playing a game and then you click a button and you just immediately play that game in your browser as well. I think that was like the 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 thing that yes. like made Stadia exceptionally compelling yep. is the idea that it would just be so easy for a kid watching someone play Fortnite to hit yes. play Fortnite. Mm-hmm. And Stadia is cool. When when I like go to my search bar and I type in stadia.com, I can just immediately hit click play on a game because it's already tied to Gmail. You don't have to sign in. Like, it's just, it's so fast. Uh, but, of course, it only works for me. It doesn't work for a lot of people. Works for Brian, apparently. It doesn't work for a lot of other people. <laughs> Twitch, I guess, would be the same thing where, yeah, you could have someone play a game and have a recommend button that maybe, like, people who are Twitch partners would get a cut for, like, having a button available where you can just immediately play a game. Like, that's the, the thing that I think that they're trying to tap into is how do we make more money off of these content creators who are making us content for free and love being on our platform? How do we just monetize them even more? Yeah, I love the yeah. idea also of like, say, if there's a popular streamer like playing a game, then like they could just like hand the controls off essentially to someone else just in the chat, like for weird stuff like that. Might Stadia be, is doing that. Yeah, Stadia is doing that kind of thing. integration stuff. Yeah, and that Which stuff's cool. really really cool. But even still, that that audience, that Twitch audience, is still like it's still such. It's it doesn't seem like it in our world. It's huge, but it is a smaller piece of that, like overall, like people who play games pie, which I think mm-hmm. is like the Stadia audience, or was supposed to be, was supposed to be like people who travel and and you know people who maybe fallen out of video games, but now it's so easy for them to just to pick it up while they're you know on an airplane or a train or bus or whatever, and they Why can do. Why would they it. just play mobile games? Yeah. Why would you go yeah. with Stadia? <laughs> it's just I don't know. I don't know. Like I'm happy to have these services like you, Brian. I think the tech is really cool. Like yeah. anything yeah. that is. A step forward in tech and the games industry i'm immediately right. interested in and i want to try all of it and i want to experience it and you know get a feel for what it is in the the direction the industry's headed in but i just i just don't know if they're like well we're getting we're gonna target casual gamers are you though because again won't they just play mobile games but then i do know when i spoke to aaron uh aaron greenberg from the marketing team at microsoft he did bring up you know we want xcloud to be in the countries where people don't even have consoles so they're trying to tap into video game markets where people yes. don't yes. have anything at all. Right. Uh, and, and that that was a similar thing like what cell phones allowed uh, countries in like Africa, for example, who didn't have a lot of the old school telecommunications infrastructure, but cell phones just let them hop, hop over all that. And they're yeah. wildly uh, popular and they use them for everything. And so, yeah, maybe that's a, a similar kind of play they're thinking of with cloud gaming. I think so. Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's it's uh, it, it makes me wonder about the future of hardware. You know, if if this really takes off. I mean, obviously, there's going to be you know people are still going to have PCs forever and all that. But uh, um, I, I don't know. Maybe yeah. not. <laughs> Maybe not. Stadia really did. I mean, uh, again, it depends on your internet connection. But if um, if that's good. It's it's a pretty good experience, and yeah. and I can see and and the the portability of it and the the ability to like you said just play it wherever uh, like Destiny or kind of a full fledged console game pretty friggin' cool and, yeah. and you know it's just uh, yeah the the tech is just fascinating and it, it is going to be interesting to see how Amazon and Google adapt to a, a unique industry because right now it, it does seem like at least with Google 
it's like they're just a rich guy coming in and just throwing money around. Yeah. And they don't really know what they're doing. They're just like, oh, I want to get into horse racing. Okay, well, let me do this and this, you know, and I don't Probably know. Because they don't have to worry very much. They make so much True. money. That it's True. Like, I don't know, whatever, who cares? They can buy executives from the other companies to yeah, tell, them, yeah. tell them what it's all whatever. about. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I think uh, one thing with, cloud gaming that like I, I always think is so funny that I love so much is the ability to play something immediately and not have to wait for it to download and install. And I'm always yes. like, oh, yes, you mean like the PS3 360 era? Right. It's like it's you like those, just, those that was the thing like, we had all the time. You could just play the <laughs> game. It is funny, but the whole model is really old fashioned. It's the old supercomputer and dummy terminal model, basically, yeah. which is ancient. That's that's like from the dawn of computing. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, uh, let's move on. While we're talking about hardware, uh, the Xbox Series X and the S went up for pre-order this week. Um, it was uh, messy. It, it was very messy. There were sellouts immediately, problems with the retailer websites. Uh, uh, the, the Microsoft store went down. There was lots of uh, errors. Microsoft declared victory, though, saying that it was uh, <laughs> historical and it was record-breaking. They'll have more ahead of launch. But, you know, uh, Microsoft definitely tried to uh, act like they were going to be less chaotic than, than the PS5s. Uh, pre-order launch, but it, pretty much the same thing. You know what's really cool about this kind of generation of launch consoles is that both Microsoft and Sony are providing their own means t- for which you can just buy directly from them. Yes. And I have to say that is really nice. Like, it, I, I know it didn't work perfectly well with the Sony stuff. People are still maybe waiting for emails to win like a PS5 lottery, essentially, where they, they set aside <laughs> units to to you know give to people. So, it, but but just imagine being one of those people and being taken out of the route race. You just get an email that day. It's like, hey, you, we've got your PS5 for you. It's on lock. And I wish they, I wish they, I hope what happens is going forward. And if we have more generations, you know, talking about cloud gaming and all that, but more hardware generations going forward, which I'm sure we will. That they that that both companies do kind of take this into account. And I hope that people are using those services. That's how I pre-ordered. A, that's how I got an Xbox Series X mm-hmm. is through Microsoft Store, and it almost worked for my phone on the first try. Like basically, when the when eight o'clock hit that morning, I just on my phone was in the app, went to the micro, Microsoft Store, and just went through there. Basically, like this is a bunch of just offerings. Like, which one do you want to pre-order? Blah blah blah. You can get add accessories or whatever, and it almost worked, but the cart stalled out. Right, like it just the. I love that you're like it almost worked. It, it was like so yeah. close, and it. What did been... they t- did they tell you? You almost got it, buddy. Yeah. Almost. Well, well, I was checking out. Like it would basically hit checkout, and then that's when it when it broke. Yeah. But, uh, but I was okay. so surprised that it just like on my phone was able to do this like like generally this Herculean lift of like, I'm going to get in there and get a launch console. Right. Um, right. And, and for PlayStation, I mean, maybe it helped that we knew there was a date and time for Xbox. And whereas like PlayStation stuff were kind of caught off guard. Um, I try not just to generally, I try not to buy, that's just a weird thing. I have try not to buy things from Walmart and Amazon now also yeah, if I can fair. avoid it. But I like, can probably I, be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it limits, limits like your options for like pre-order stuff. So it's probably why I didn't get a PS5. I definitely tried. Um, but, but, but yeah, like it, it's it's been interesting in that way. But yes, definitely just as messy. It took me about an hour of trying after that, like really, really close call to to actually like secure an Xbox. But like, but yeah, I just can imagine if you have like a regular job where that's not like important for you to to have that thing or it's like you can't spend an hour of your workday trying to buy you video missed games. It. Yeah, it's yeah, gone. It's gone. Like, yeah. Instantly. It sucks. Yeah. Um, so it's still definitely a mess. But yeah. 
Uh, and the PS5, the the other one of the other stories, uh, not a lot of digital ones out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, they they talked to this was informal, but uh, uh, Ars Technica and Eurogamer polled some uh, some Game Stops, uh, and uh, I forget who the UK retailer was, but it's very their allotments are very heavily weighted towards the uh, regular sort of uh, uh, disc drive PS5s. Uh, uh, average, basically, uh, 75% disc drive PS5s, 25% digital. Uh, I think uh, ours technical pulled like I can know, tell you this 10. is the same for the Xbox Series S. Wow. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, from a conversation I had recently, uh, they okay. are taking the Xbox Series S at a loss, and thus there are less of them. They would prefer you buy the X. Yeah. That makes sense, but I am still really surprised by this, uh, especially when I think there was a point in time when the Xbox One might not have had a disk drive at all. Do you remember this? Was that a real thing that was going to happen? And yeah, they had probably. To, probably. Under Matric? <laughs> sure. Yeah, and they had to go back on it, right? Yeah, probably. So, so I think... Oh, oh at launch, yeah. Yeah. Um, so to see them kind of enter this market, it, it seems like the right way to do it, right? They have to dip their toe in. They can't piss off the retailers. Obviously, right. that's a death right. knell, a right. digital-only console for, for any retailer who, uh, specifically GameStop, who makes money from used sales. I think like Best Buy used to have a used game service. I don't know if they still do that, trade-in service. Um, I think Target some at one point was doing something similar. But that's just all profit. Um, yeah, but it, <laughs> yeah, they, they generally are known for you know new games. Uh, I think they did try it for a bit there. I can't remember, but but yeah, I think it's it's interesting and, and it seems like a better tactic to to have these two options. But I'm surprised about by how less they are, especially because it the PS5 specifically is a hundred dollars cheaper, right? You would think that's the the holiday system seller. That's the one you're going to undercut your competition on uh, because you have a full-fledged next-gen console. It's going to be $100 cheaper than than the Xbox Series X. And uh, that's just the place you want to be, right, if you're in a console war, I guess. Yeah. Mm, I think it's probably, like, you're right, but if I'm to try to figure it out, um, it's probably more about the perception that they have one that's cheaper than an X, <laughs> but then they still intend to sell the disc version when people go in. They have this positive brand association of that thing. I studied marketing as part of they my degree, you. right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's so manipulative. Like, is, there's so much yeah. of it that, yeah, like it's one of the most valuable parts of studying journalism was studying marketing, which is intended to teach you how to do journalism better so that you understand marketing. And a lot of value is just perception or a lot of pricing is just perception. So it's like if they have the, I wish they were different, like more succinct names. Like I actually like saying S and X over discless and disc. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the the full price PS5 is like probably the idea is like, well, this these two both do 4K. That one's cheaper than the Xbox Series X, but this one's the only one available. I'm going to go with Sony because then you have that positive association with it anyway. Whereas the S kind right. of screwed itself potentially in terms of marketing, I guess we'll see when sales actually come out by being too cheap. Mm. That people are always like, well, why is it that cheap? Oh, it's only 1080. Oh, I don't want that. Even if they don't know the difference. Yeah, I think that's a good. It makes me want to ask you about the the whole. There was a big, big social Twitter debacle and people writing articles about how the Xbox One X is sold is up like seven hundred percent or whatever on the Amazon store page because of its in, like renewed interest and people being confused by the titles of the bo different boxes and all that. And it's just supposedly it, that it percentage being up isn't quite that literal. Uh, I should look into it, but. Um, 
Yeah, some were saying that's not actual sales. That's just page, page visits. Views. And I don't know. related searches indicate yeah. that people are more interested in that. So apparently it's not quite that literal. I have no doubt that some people bought the wrong console. Oh, like. yeah. No, no, <laughs> no doubt. And, and they also brought up, well, the One the X is out of, uh, they stopped producing them in July. There's not that many left. So even if it, yes, yeah, 747% is a huge number, but that might not be that many. Maybe they sold 70 instead of Yeah. Speaking 7, of Speaking of the next gen Xbox, boxes though they just put up best buy just put up the uh expansion uh cards mm. uh on pre-order because microsoft is doing the proprietary thing they partnered with seagate on it uh the one terabyte expansion card 220 dollars so uh that's what? that's gonna add uh, that's gonna add a little to your uh xbox wait 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 Maybe I had that wrong. Oh, I was seeing, I, I was, I was like, seeing two hundred. Got to be a hundred dollars. Yeah, I was seeing two hundred dollars as well the other day. Let me see. Two hundred nineteen dollars and ninety nine cents. Yep. Oh my god! So I'm not sure about this because uh, we, I spoke about it on the Xcast not too long ago, and, I, and then someone corrected us, but then another source said it didn't. So y- you can still just use your regular terabyte hard drive, right? Or do you have to have that card? See, I don't know. I you believe that that. That external, that expansion. Okay, so I think you can have a regular hard drive if you want to just use it as storage and you can swap things back and forth. Yep. But if you want to run games at spec, you need that proprietary one because it's not just a, it's not mm. just a standard hard drive. It's like it's an it's like basically an NVMe slot. Like it's the optimal solution. Yeah, it's it's like the it, it goes yeah directly to the console's like processor basically. I'm not good at tech. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but I do know that it, I do know that it's not just like a regular ass hard drive that you can just drop in there. Yeah, that's There's why more so functionality expensive. to it. Yeah, I guess yeah. I just wasn't sure if hard drives would just flat out not work, which I can't see being a thing that Microsoft would do this generation. Yeah, if it's just the only solution to running games at spec, like you said, then I think that makes a bit more sense. Two hundred, whoo, that's a lot of money. Yeah, you're yeah. You're, you're paying that proprietary fee. Cost also whatever tech is in that thing that makes it be able to to run so fast. So right. th- th- that's probably why. Otherwise, it'd be like a hundred or ninety or eighty or whatever. Damn. But think about memory cards. Like remember memory cards, y'all? I know. Ah, the battle days. It's yeah. basically the like Duke this. controller has a slot for <laughs> yeah. memory cards in the back of it. Oh, that's right. Well, I mean, so come cute. on, Nintendo sixty four did that. They got the that three. big. What, that was literally an expansion pack, and then you had your Rumble pack. Yeah, yep. different Great packs. Stuff. How times have changed. I know. <laughs> um, all right, let's. Uh, we will. Uh, what else is there? Anything else to talk about before? If you want to talk Probably. about the Activision hack, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Activision thing. So this has not been confirmed, but I wanted to bring this up. Um, there's there's a lot of smoke around. Uh, well, there's a, a a pretty widespread belief that Activision has gotten hacked, uh, specifically Call of Duty accounts. Um, it's been reported. This has not been reported like in sort of the mainstream uh, gaming press, but uh, some people have said yes. There was a huge hack, five hundred thousand accounts, uh, Call of Duty accounts got hacked. Activision says no, um, they it hasn't happened. But I I did some just looking around on a, a lot of the COD forums and Reddit and. Activision support, there were a lot of people complaining that they had gotten hacked and that someone had changed their info and all this. And then Activision support put out a couple days ago, uh, if you think you might be at risk, here's here's some tips to safeguard your account. Uh, so 
I don't know. I, I don't, you know, it could be, these things have had Nintendo got breached uh, earlier this year, obviously the big PSN hack several years ago. It wouldn't be out of the question. Interesting side note, though. Activision does not offer two-factor authentication. That's so stupid. Why? So, oh, my yeah. God. It's, uh, so um, it's it's out there. It's not clear if it's true or not. But if so, 500,000 accounts, that would be pretty big. Yeah. We, I mean, we've even recently gotten tips about a big, like, Xbox hack, too, where accounts mm-hmm. have been – then all they need is the username, and people have been getting in that way, and then – uh, and that one particularly, I think people were, were like using people's accounts to say like horribly racist things, uh, uh, but excellent. which yeah. doesn't surprise me. But this Activision situation is really weird. And usually when something like this does get called out, the company usually takes a day or two and then says like, oh, yeah, you know, information has right. been breached and right. the, the mass emails go out. I mean, especially in the case of the PlayStation one, which was like horrendously bad. So I guess are we just waiting for that email? Do you think, Brian, are we just waiting for that news story of like Activision admits there was a breach or do you think... I mean, it's hard to it's speculation at this point, right? Because it hasn't been confirmed by them, but but there's like smoke. But what's the right? source for this over five hundred thousand accounts? Like, it seems like it's just Okami who said apparently over five hundred k accounts. So right. then, what's their uh, source? Oh, right, Literally, exactly. What is the source and they have access. Yeah, it's 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 very sort of obscure leakers and YouTube people. So you know, again, I think it should be taken with a grain of salt. But there does seem to be something going on generally like i don't believe anyone on the internet about things i feel like that's like a safe way to go but we have seen a lot of people come forward about this and at the very least i hope that the conversation and us continuing to have the conversation like not that it's a gay because (laughs) but you know i mean at the very least people discussing this will hopefully encourage activision to have two-factor authentication if nothing else do that yeah people deserve that like just just do it that's Um, just basic come on not that hard but i also love that yeah you can't fucking reply to that tweet that you can't reply to activision support (laughs) tweet they turned off replies yeah they don't want to hear it (laughs) um all right we will get to the questions in just a second but first guys let's talk hello fresh now HelloFresh is where you can get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. It lets you skip those trips to the grocery store. Maybe not such a bad idea these days. Uh, It makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable uh, delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. Lots of people are cooking more these days. I know I am. And uh, boy, cooking channels on Twitch have like skyrocketed. Uh, (laughs) The recipe is easy to follow, quick to make, simple steps and pictures to guide you along the way. I'm a pictures guy. I like lots of pictures. Uh, You can save 40% by using HelloFresh versus shopping at your local store, and it's more convenient. They got gourmet recipe, like their balsamic fig sirloin, uh, over 60% cheaper than an average meal out. They offer so many delicious options every week to help you break out of your recipe rut. Try new things, there's something for everyone. Low calorie, vegetarian, kid friendly. So I assume that's just hot dogs and chicken nuggets. Uh, Over 90% of ingredients are sourced directly from growers to ensure the freshest recipes are delivered right to your door. Uh, they also help you eat live more sustainably. It's pre-portioned, so you're not overbuying. That's a burden on the planet and your wallet. The package they use is to ship your food almost entirely from recyclable content. Come on, that's great. Um, all right, here's what you have to do, guys. Go to 
hellofresh.com slash sendnews80 and use code sendnews80, that's all one word, S-E-N-D-N-E-W-S 80, the number 80, to get a total of $80 off your first month. Come on, you can't beat that. Including free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit hellofresh.com for details. So there you go. And then one more time, let's give a big shout out to AT&T for helping us throw a huge RTX this year. Without them, the show would not have been possible. It was RTX at home. We needed AT&T's 5G network. It's now available nationwide, guys. Whether you're at home or on the go, you will enjoy more coverage in more places. Plus, AT&T, they don't make it complicated. 5G access is included in all the best consumer unlimited plans at no extra cost. For more information on AT&T 5G, visit att.com slash 5G. And yes, RTX at Home has been so much fun. Big props to AT&T for making it all possible. We did our panel a few days ago. That was uh, uh, kind of a, a disaster, but a complete fun chaos. disaster, yeah. I guess. Yes, complete <laughs> chaos. That's how we... It. That's how we make the sausage at Inside <laughs> That's how it's done. All right, let's go to questions. And I was looking, we had some good ones. Yeah, there's some uh, really good ones this week, there's for some, sure. Some thoughtful ones. Uh, the, you know, sometimes the, the pickings are a little slim. <laughs> this, is not, this is not one of those. Let me pull it up. Hold on. Hold your horses. Um, Christian Simmers asks, this current gen has been dominated by games as a service. Last gen was the FPS gen. Before that, the action game generation. And the 90s was dominated by the RPG. Ah, it sure was. <laughs> what do you think will be the genre slash killer app of the next generation of consoles? Did we skip Battle Royale already? Is that not a possibility? Yeah, that not a thing? Battle it's... Royale is definitely yeah, a huge part. But I always look at Battle Royale as just another multiplayer, like a King of the yeah. Hill. Mm. It, it sh- we shouldn't be seeing it as a new type of game. It is just an add-on <laughs> to a first-person shooter, really. Yeah, um, I don't know, but I, I don't think I've ever bought just a King of the Hill game, right? I mean, <laughs> is, is, does Fall Guys fall I into that, too? I would love a King of the Hill game. Hank well, Hill? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> there it is. I, I mean, no, but I don't think that will be the thing anymore, is that Battle Royale, like, will going forward just be something that exists within other multiplayer games rather than needing to be just a standalone thing. I mean, Fortnite still has another mode. Um, what is, can it what be successful right now? Can it be successful if it's not that focused and like dialed in though? To like just one specific game that people are just like constantly focusing on. As long as it's standalone, it's okay. And providing it as like a service, I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I see what you're saying. I think so. Generally, when it comes to industry trends, you're best to look at Ubisoft specifically because <laughs> Ubisoft have this internal team who are just dedicated to figuring out what is going to be trending. Oh, wow. Five years from now. They're like, people are going to like, I don't know, vampires in five years. So we need to make a vampire game at that point in time. And generally they're right. And what they do also seems to align with TV trends. It's fucking crazy. And I don't know how they do it. But it is weird, yeah, like when zombies were a huge thing like 10 years ago. Ah, zombie you. Left for dead, man. But that's not you. That's. No, that's valid. That's a completely different thing. But uh, just anytime zombie games come up, I think. Um, it's yeah, it's I, whatever Ubisoft is doing is usually what's going to be popular. So what are Ubisoft pushing very hard right now? They've been doing some different shit. Um, we don't know what's happened to Skull and Bones. Gods and Monsters is obviously another that fucking renamed Immortals Phoenix Rising is yeah, another. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> That's a title. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> RPG effectively is, is a lot of what Ubisoft is making right now. It's like a so, Breath of the Wild style absolutely. thing, they right? They blatantly yeah. said 
Breath of the Wild inspired yeah. RPG. Yeah. Um, that's a good. That's a good inspiration. I got no problem with that. Yeah. What What else is Ubisoft doing? I mean, don't know if we're getting more pirate shit. Is it's like almost uh, sim stuff? Like, uh, I mean, not sim stuff, but like I think about like cyberpunk being big. We're we're gonna probably associate big it with RPG. this next next gen. Yeah, like big open world RPG. Maybe it's like that style of RPG is now is now the thing because I mean, we're getting. Spider-Man, another Spider-Man aside from Miles Morales, right? This coming in the new generation. Uh, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn, obviously, and these are just PlayStation games at this point. But uh, they definitely big have a yeah big big open worlds RPG mechanics in their like styles of progression. I don't know, maybe people just really love Among Us so much that now we're just in the werewolf gen, and every cool game is going to be those. werewolf or mafia. Yeah, yeah, social. What are they called? Social. D, it's something. Social D games. What is it? There's a fucking word for it. <laughs> Social, like, it's Social like distortion? D- d- Social distortion? I know that one. D- d- Good something. band. Yeah. Do you want to pull another question, Brian? Well, Alana. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me personally. Social deduction. I, there you go. Oh, Social you deduction. Go. I, I feel like, uh, I mean, we talked about it already, but I feel like cloud gaming is going to be. Mm. Like, yeah, true. True. I mean, it's, it's you know. Um, okay, CDL Nut Pretty asks, if Fallout New Vegas 2 does happen, do you think Xbox has the guts to make it an exclusive? I'm not sure if they value their consumer-friendly image over the amount of consoles that could move for them. I, I don't know if that would be quite the console move. It wouldn't. It's niche. Yeah. Um, it feels I, popular when you work in the industry or you're in yes, the community. or you know, you're, it's you're, so well regarded. Right. You yeah. know enough about video games that you're following mm-hmm. inside gaming on Twitter. But for, for the broader <laughs> If you're not, what people, are you doing? <laughs> for the broader, broader public, Fallout New Vegas 2 doesn't mean shit. Um, I, I think they'll make it exclusive. Absolutely. This is why you buy Bethesda. Or, I kind of think Obsidian that one they would. I don't know that they yeah. would for a, for a Fallout 5. But mm-hmm. New Vegas 2, I could see that happening. I, I yeah. could see them doing timed exclusives because you think about it like what they want to use the exclusives to do is to sell boxes and sell their service. And once they've kind of capitalized on that, then they could sell another 10 million copies on the PlayStation console or whatever. Right? True. Like, and the or, way that timed exclusives work million. is really interesting. Um, I was reading a study, to be fair, only one. So I don't know if, if there are other conflicting ones, but that said um, the way that timed exclusives work also in terms of marketing is generally that people don't realize, like majority of people don't realize, I think it was something like 70%, that that game is ever coming to the other platform. Mm -hmm. So timed exclusives work so well that people think it's an exclusive even though it's not, but the company gets to actually sell it on both eventually. uh, Yeah. Just make it, everything it, a timed exclusive, and the general public at large will think, "Oh, yeah, they this still is only available on this." They will still associate those Bethesda studios well, with Xbox, essentially. And that that yeah. first six months, even if it's six months, is huge because yeah. then everybody's played it and moved on. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, also Game Pass is really disrupting that, right? Like, like the interest, like being able to play those games and people being able to pl- play those games essentially for free. They, they, I, I've seen things from developers saying like, "Oh, we got like this new renewed interest in our game." And if it were ever to come off, like they do, like see a return in sales in that. So I've seen stuff like that, not for for Games Pass specifically, but 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 like Steam sales and stuff too, right? Like when when things get close to free or cheaper, it can like really boost and turn around like a whole studio's basic like revenue stream. So I don't yeah. know. Moogle Boots asks, since the Mario 3D All-Stars collection is selling like crazy, which three games would you like to see bundled together to play on a new console? Me being an RPG fan, Xenosaga or maybe Shadow Hearts would be nice. 
those are good choices, Moogle Boots. I would love like a nice uh, Dragon Quest compilation, like seven, eight, and nine. Oh, that would be amazing. Uh, what else? Like, I, I'm surprised. Have they done like a Dark Souls collection? Not uh, yet. Be- no. It's coming though. I'm sure. One, two, and three. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and Demon Souls will be nice in there too. Mm-hmm. I would say I'd love more Metal Gear. Mm. Just give yep. me all oh, Metal Gear. Yeah. Um, that's an easy one, though, I think. There's um, so many collections already. I think they... It's true. They have already done that a bunch of times. <laughs> They've done but, it twice, you know, I think, I want it least. to continue. I don't want people to lose <laughs> Metal Gear. Um, God of War as well. I think because there's, like, another God of War that's been announced, like, I'm really hankering to play through all of them again. Yeah. Uh, that's yep. just the thing that's been on my mind recently. Like, I, I think those are also still available to play on PS4, but, you know, just continuing those bundles. Um, I love Rare Replay. Of course. Oh and my God, that was like the best Xbox forever. One exclusive. Yeah, it's so good. It's so and good. It, like it makes Jet Force Gemini playable. Like I love that game, Ugh. but when you try and play it on sixty four now, because I still have my sixty four, and I I've tried once, and it was like, this is fucking atrocious. How did I play this as a kid? It's, <laughs> Whereas it's so they good. updated it, and it works on Rare Replay really well. I would like Rare Replay to persist for sure, but I guess we don't have to worry about that with Xbox, right? Aren't they ensuring forwards compatibility? generally yeah i think so yeah at least in the first few years i think they've said man for me it's tough because i feel like a lot of the really strong collections kind of already have been done or the emulation isn't so hard to pull off like if you did like a castlevania one or something that would be pretty cool i think like old playstation one classics that people have forgotten about would be pretty cool i remember i've been thinking about this a lot lately i don't know why but there was a ghost in the shell game that i really liked and it was like very playstation one style like arcade and you play as like a tachikoma and like just skating around the concrete and shooting missiles and stuff which is like super oh, yeah. rad but like i don't know on the indie side this probably you can already play on your ps4 or whatever but i'd, I'd love like a vlambeer collection since that studio is oh, yeah. they, they've closed their doors and not maybe like a cappy games collection or whatever but i think you mm-hmm. can just readily play any of those games still right now so that's not yeah, really to good, try to think of a pace. collection that doesn't exist yeah that it'd be I would think like a cool, I, I don't know, like a some sort of indie collection. Like here's five great Devolver digital games. Oh, sure. Yeah. Would be yeah. Maybe WarioWare if people are missing that stuff. Well, I mean, Annapurna, uh, they make really yeah. fucking good games. Mm. Yeah. Uh, or publish them rather. Um, what else is there? I'm trying to think of like other bundles. Dishonored? Maybe? <laughs> I don't know. So oh, good. There's, there's not enough audience for that. But yeah. I fucking love Dishonored. Lucent Orb asks... What's your favorite developer? Mine is Supergiant Games. Very nice. Of course, nice. they made Bastion, Transistor, and most recently Hades, which is great. You've been playing great. Hades? Good. I've just started. I love it. I love it too. Yeah. It's, I've only played, uh, I played an hour on stream on PC and then was like, you know what? I think I'm going to play this game on Switch and start it again. And I've, I just beat Meg. I'm, I'm not a huge roguelike person, but Neither. something about this one I really, I really enjoy. So stylish. Supergiant make amazing games. Uh, yeah, yeah, so their their favorite is Supergiant Games, followed closely by Remedy Entertainment, which of course made Control and Alan Wake. Um, I, jeez. Uh, oh, oh, I thought you were time. saying yours was Supergiant, Brian. Got oh, no, this no, no, no. Oh, no, this the, yeah, the, yeah. the question. Got it. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> All time, I would probably say Square Enix. Uh, lately, though, last 10 years for me from software, I mean, it's... The Souls games, Bloodborne, Sekiro, like playing Sekiro right now. Awesome, awesome stuff. Mine's platinum. Oh, uh, that's a I, fantastic I pick. Adore them. Like, and it was a thing that I had to think about for a while because there was a there was a period there where it was Ubisoft, um, but right. that was the period where we had like Valiant Hearts, Child of Light, and we also had good Assassin's Creed games, uh, and and Splinter Cell. So there was a period of time where I like I loved Ubisoft, but they've 
gone in a direction that I'm not much of a fan of now. And, you know, just keep, like, sexually harassing their employees. <laughs> right. A little. So, like, yeah. maybe cut that out a bit would be great. <laughs> um, but Platinum, like, obviously near talking point today because of the Tokyo Game Show. Uh, but also, like, games like Vanquish. Like, basically, there's just no Platinum game that I've played that I haven't been like, holy shit, this fucking rules. Yeah. Um, Near Automata was amazing. Mm. Like, one of the best RPGs I've ever it played. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, I, I knew nothing about the series before, but it was awesome. Yeah. Gosh, yeah, I, I'm remiss to pick, like, AAA studios at this point just because of so much we hear about Crunch and all that. But I, I, it's hard for me to even pick one studio. I just love the medium so freaking much. I love, like, a studio that has, like, a really good story. Like, you're talking about Platinum. It's ex-Capcom and Clover people and... And, mm-hmm. and they have that legacy too and and man yeah like I, one of my favorite developers i've already mentioned cappy which i think are really cool they, they they did some cool stuff that people don't know about but but more recently they did below which didn't do super great and super time force such um, an interesting game but below also was played by like not coming out yeah totally it, <laughs> it took it, so long it, it took so long and, and um sword and sorcery they did that first like iphone game that people were like oh wow what is this and got kind of interested in had craig adams i think and, they did uh, some licensed games i believe i did a, a comic con panel with capybara because they did uh nickelodeon something that's probably true they, they used to make cell phone ports I think uh, that that's for things. what, when I yeah. look up Capybara, it gives me the animal. <laughs> they did make a Ubisoft game, uh, Might and Magic Clash of Heroes, which is a rad puzzle game, which I think I've talked about on some kind of inside gaming show or feature that I did before. Uh, another one of my favorite developers is was Lab Zero for a while, but things have gone real bad over there uh, and have included entirely due to one member of the leadership being a very not good person uh, or having some pretty gnarly accusations put, spun against them. And, Obama? Yeah, and then also they like doubled down and said that they had no plans of like affecting any change or personal improvement or whatever. And so more stories came out from the developers that like, oh, this person isn't who we thought they were. Don't basically. love that. Yep, nope. and so that basically Lab Zero was imploded and now they made Future Club um, and if you didn't know Lab Zero, it's like Skullgirls. Uh, a lot of those people came from from the team that made that Scott Pilgrim game way back yeah. when. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so it's been interesting to follow their story. Uh, uh, Muriel Cartwright is probably like one of my favorite artists in the biz. But like Skullgirls for me was just like a game that taught me how fighting games work in a way that I didn't understand really before, where I would just get smashed at uh, Marvel versus Capcom all the time. And, and, and I thought it was cool. I thought it was a cool game and it's, it sucks that their studio just went through like so much drama lately, but, but they, they, it does seem like they're kind of coming up on a success story where they've now formed like a gaming co-op essentially. It's weird. You can go read about it, but yeah. But haven't, the, yeah haven't they like taken over the Skullgirls IP or something and um, started like, or maybe I was misreading that. I don't no, know. There, there was like another developer working on a port for, for mobile who has like kind of all the, and they've basically distanced, distanced themselves from that creative lead of the yeah. director guy who, who was found to be not great. <laughs> so sucks. it sucks. It really sucks. But, but yeah, look up future club. That stuff seems rad. Cool. And it seems like they're going to do some cool stuff. So I can't wait to see what they do next. Right on. Well, I think that's it for us today at Send News. Thank you so much for listening or watching, however you take this podcast, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.